A hero is integrity, humanity, and compassion in action. The hero frequency is the thread of those qualities binding us all. I'm Yasmin Joy, an empathic survivor of loss, grief, and more. And every week, I'll be sharing tips and tales that brought me to my mission of identifying and amplifying the hero frequency. Let's tune in and turn it up. Hey, welcome back. And I'm back. Thank you so much for being patient and sticking with me. These past couple weeks have been crazy. First of all, I'm getting over COVID, as you can probably tell from my voice. And I likely caught it somewhere on the way back from visiting my father in Texas. So let me backtrack a couple weeks to kind of catch you up. A couple weeks ago, in the middle of the night, I got a ping on my phone. No, wait, actually, it was a phone call. But I was so tired at that point that I think I just reached over and turned my ringer off. A few hours later, I woke to look at my phone and see that my dad had called and texted. His partner of over 15 years just passed away after a two years battle with cancer. Now, I want to say I did not have a good relationship with this woman um, for various reasons. But when I first found out that she had cancer, those reasons dissolved and I felt sad and compassionate for her and worried for my father. My father lived his life dedicating himself to everything that he loved and he lost so much of what he loved already. He'd lost his country, he'd lost his son, he lost his marriage and the happy family that once was part of that. And like the rest of my nucleus family, Following my brother's death, my father was sent out into the world, separated from us as we were separated from each other, to fend for himself. And like the rest of the family, he fell into relationships with unkind people. It would be about 15 years after my brother's death before my dad would meet his partner that had just passed. I'll refer to her as Miss Taylor as she had a side tailoring job when they'd first met. I'd mentioned that Miss Taylor and I didn't have a good relationship, but it wasn't because she was a bad person. She just had insecurities from her own unresolved past trauma, which played out in her relationship with my father. And because of my father's own recent traumatic events at that point, combined with his patient docile nature, he indulged her with whatever her insecurities required of him. But I do believe that she loved him as my father is a person who is really easy to love. And I do believe that he loved her, as he had a tender heart and loved freely and openly. I think what also made this union particularly bonding was that they met each other at a stage in life where finding love could be difficult. And they each had experienced a stretch of loneliness prior to connecting. Now, this is not to say that a relationship that comes from a place of lack or imbalance, emotional or otherwise, is invalid, but it is usually overwhelmingly better to be at a place where we are not lacking, at least not to such a degree that we are willing to compromise standards for ourselves that we wouldn't want people that we love to compromise for themselves. 
So when you are in that state of balance and assuming you're not just stepping out into the world for the first time and just super naive, your sensors tend to be working pretty well and you will gravitate and attract things that are on the same level as you are. And even though you may still be attracting things that are not well suited for you, you will tend to steer away from them. That all said, grief and pain level the playing field. Well, not exactly, but you know how when you feel hopeful for something, even if it seems kind of impossible, something inside of you says, maybe this could be a match for me. I could see the possibility of this being real for me. Well, when you're in despair or pain in some way, that persuasive voice and that self-assimilation kicks in then as well. But has you seeing the possibility of being okay in the opposite direction? And when you've been running on empty for so long, something, whatever that something may be, could often feel like the right thing because it's a break from the pain of nothing. No past that you want to think of, no future to look forward to, and a present that merely obligates you to breathe in and breathe out. But that's no way to live. So it made sense, their connection and ensuing relationship. They found companionship, but also hope and purpose. Not long after they'd gotten together, Miss Taylor said, The moment I met your father, I knew that he was a very talented man, and that I can make use of that, and she did. But the prospects of what his talents could bring also motivated her to work really hard, as well as have him work really hard. So, for the next 15 plus years, they spent their days planning and dreaming together, and then trying to carry out their plans and dreams, often working side by side. That's a lot of communication and cooperation, which is a lot more than many marriages and relationships tend to have nowadays. Add that to the relief of companionship, the bond of a common purpose, and the excitement of common goals and dreams, and you have a solid partnership that would be painful to separate from. From what I understand, Miss Taylor's life before my father came into it had been a struggle almost her entire life. My father always worked hard, but he lived a good life, which nosedived after my brother's death, and his living conditions following that for years reflected that. By the time they got together, they were both very comfortable with a standard of living that my father would never have agreed to prior to our family tragedy. But he was where he was, and that place was, in a sense, post-apocalyptic. But he had lost pretty much everything. So finding companionship was his shelter and nourishment. And Miss Taylor had never really had a really good man in her life. So they both found what they desperately needed at the time in each other. Part of Miss Taylor's insecurities kept us, my father's children, somewhat at bay from him. But over the past decade, I'd come to accept whatever he chose that gave him a sense of security, stability, and peace. Even my mother said a few years ago, I don't care what he does anymore. He's suffered so much already. As long as he's alive and well, that's all that matters. So all of us stood from a distance, loving him from there. 
My father and I barely spoke for the years he was with Miss Taylor. He would show up again, though, when COVID hit, sending me a box of masks and a handwritten note with tips on how to stay safe. Through that note and the few times we had managed to speak on the phone, he started sounding like his old, tender, loving self again. And it was a great comfort for me to hear that he was still there after all. When you told me about Miss Taylor's cancer diagnosis two years ago, a new chord struck. Someone my dad loved could be lost, and someone who loved my dad was in pain. I felt so much love and concern for her as well as my father. Whatever she said and did to keep my father close to her only, I forgave. She had held space for his broken heart as he had for her all these years. In this latter part of each other's journey, they'd traveled and shared everything together, hand in hand. I realized I could not have done this for him. I could not have been there for him as he'd needed at that time. None of us in my family could have because we were all still struggling with our own grief recovery, and it took us this long. In fact, everything that has been happening in these past few years makes me lean towards believing that there is some kind of divine timing or a universal blueprint, whatever you want to call it, that seems to place people and events strategically throughout our lives for us to experience, be challenged by, overcome, learn from, whatever it is that it may be to help us draw from for a greater good. Now, I'm not completely sold on that idea because I feel like there is some element where that is really unfair, but perhaps there's something there to all of this. As soon as I figure it out or can get more clarity on it, you will be the first to know. So back to my father. I fly to Texas that following Sunday from when I first hear the news, and I spend the next few weeks getting to know the people that have been a part of my father's life for the past 15 plus years, mainly his nephew, who would be my cousin, and Miss Taylor's siblings, sons, and their families. And I liked them all. They were gracious, humble, hardworking, and one of the sisters, whom I call my aunt now, taught me how to prepare some authentic Vietnamese dishes, which I'm extremely happy and excited about. So there was great closure in knowing that my father was surrounded by decent people over the years. The trip actually brought about closure for me in several different areas. It helped me with my fear of funerals, particularly seeing the caskets, with the worst for me being seeing the actual body in a casket. My little brother's funeral pretty much traumatized me for the majority of my adult life thus far. In fact, at my grandmother's wake, I refused to go up to see her in the casket. They say that to get over a phobia, you have to be introduced to the thing that you fear in a situation that is controlled so that you aren't overwhelmed and therefore feel safe. I think because I not only wasn't very close to Miss Taylor while she was alive, and also because I didn't see her regularly, I didn't have a strong expectation of how she should look. So I didn't have a strong bond to all the nuances of her physical existence. 
So seeing her in this different state that would be really unnatural was not as offensive and intrusive to my psyche and therefore not as terrifying. On top of that, my priority was in making sure that my father was okay. And I was processing his grief for a woman who wasn't my mother. Now I want to clarify that I was in no way offended with that. It was just an experience that I'd never thought about going through. And then it was suddenly there. So through all of this, I was observing the emotions that were flowing through me. But also I was trying to play catch up with my father's life by rewinding and filling in what I just learned about his life with this woman to get a better understanding of the accumulation of connection that he was now grieving over. Another thing that this trip helped me find closure with is my conflict with religion, particularly the Catholic Church. I won't get into it in detail because that's a loaded topic, but I could definitely appreciate the grace and comfort that faith could bring to those who are grieving even though I still have my issues with the Catholic Church, which I grew up with, but thankfully my parents did not make it cult-like, nor did they detach it from compassion and humanity. In fact, my father often spoke about what was right and wrong in terms of love and humanity and compassion, way more than referring to any religious doctrines. My turn away from the church came from seeing how so many, including supposed religious leaders, departed from humanity as a focal point. So this trip was actually a good experience and unexpectedly healing in so many ways. It's interesting to see how pain and grief and the things that we tuck away so that we can function and move on to a new normal in life don't completely disappear. And even if we are happy and functional and go past it, we don't realize how much more relief and peace we could experience when those pieces of closure that we thought we didn't need actually show up. So it's been monumental. So after a couple of weeks there, my father came back home with me to the East Coast. And during the course of the several flights that we had to take to get back here, we caught COVID, which was really scary because my father is older and he was still grieving and he'd had an emergency procedure done for his heart soon after Miss Taylor died. So he wasn't at his optimal state to begin with. It was really scary. There was a little bit of hospitalization and I could tell my dad was being brave and positive, but We'd all been so careful for the past years, and we just didn't know. But we're all okay now, minus a little residual congestion and cough, and my voice is not back 100%, as you can hear, but I'll take it. Now, since he's been back, there have been further developments in our family's story and healing journey, which were unexpected. I won't get into it in this episode, but I want to say that I truly believe that all these positive developments were possible because there was space for them. And it was created when I made the decision to remove anything and anyone that was harmful, whether intentional or simply malaligned with my values, intentions, and aspirations. You're going to hear me talk about this a lot because it is one of the most important things that can affect 
every aspect of your life. I'm talking about the company you keep, the people that you choose and accept in your personal space. This is a make or break deal, not only for the direction of your life, but for the person that you could and are meant to be and the things that you could do for the world, if that matters to you. And I'm assuming because you're listening to this podcast and it is all about being connected to that frequency that wants to serve, protect, and see all of humanity thrive, that it does matter to you as it does to me. Thanks for listening. If you're enjoying this podcast and have found any of the insights useful, please share it with at least one other person. You can also subscribe and follow on Facebook at The Hero Frequency. Every day is an opportunity to exercise your integrity, humanity, and compassion, including for yourself. May you go with the company of good, the endurance of love, the beauty of wonder, and the dignity of kindness. Thanks for tuning in to The Hero Frequency.